This week, we felt compelled to chat all about what we're doing to deal with coronavirus and how positivity can change your perspective. We talk about actions you can take to see this time as a gift, being spiritually prepared for whatever may come, and keeping an attitude of faith and optimism instead of fear. Welcome to today's podcast, Take 3. We've had some technical difficulties, <laughs> so we're trying this for the third time. Hopefully this one works. I swear that when things like this happen, it's for a reason. It's usually if there's something really important, timely or important that we're trying to do, for some reason, there's like so much opposition to do it. Oh but my gosh. Whatever. we A lot of times if I have like a speaking engagement or Neil does, we end up getting in a fight right before or it does. It just feels like there's commotion, but we're going to push through it. Because today's podcast is going to be about faith and optimism and positivity in the face of fear. In the face of three takes for your podcast episode. That's okay. So, Neil, tell us about the t-shirt that you think we should all bring back. Well, it's not, I can't take credit for the idea, but I do think it's a good idea. There's the no fear (laughs) t-shirts from the 1990s. Uh, One of my old roommates posted something about it. He's like, they really need to bring these back right now. So uh, shout out to no fear. I bet you I could find one on Amazon if I really looked. I bet we could find one like in your closet right now. Probably that and a bunch of affliction t-shirts that (laughs) I've been sworn to never wear again by my wife. Yeah. Well, those, those need to go someplace too, where we'll never see them again. But anyway, so if you guys are finding this podcast later, then so that you're up to date on what we're talking about. And if you're not, if if you're currently listening to this, you know exactly what we're talking about. We're right in the middle of coronavirus disease and the stats from the World Health Organization as of yesterday, March 17th, were that 179,111 confirmed cases are floating around the world globally, and it's spreading quickly. We've had 7,426 deaths as as of yesterday. And, you know, it's really affecting a lot of places in the world. My parents are in Spain, and they're on lockdown right now. Like, they can't leave their apartment for anything but groceries. We're on a more mild lockdown, but still a lockdown where we, our kids are out of school, all the restaurants are closed except for takeout options. Um, you know, the world is just kind of flipped upside down right now. I mean, businesses are closing, travels come to a halt. I just, I keep seeing like these drone videos of places like Italy where there's no traffic. Um, someone posted yesterday, like a kind of a screenshot of LA traffic and it was green everywhere during rush hour. Which never happens if you're familiar with the area. I mean, that doesn't even happen at midnight, you know, here, let alone rush hour time. So it's just, it really has shaken people up. And I totally understand. I've honestly had sleepless nights since this whole thing started. And just to be totally transparent with you guys, some of the things that I've lost sleep over are things like my parents, you know, being in one of the hardest hit countries in Europe, which I actually feel a lot of peace about now, but that took me a few days to get there. Um, I'm worried about Neil's parents. I'm worried about our grandparents. I'm worried about um, being pregnant during this time and what that's going to look like in just a few weeks when I'm supposed to deliver this baby. I'm worried about having asthma and, you know, having a small business where we have several employees who depend on a paycheck and you know, the Dow keeps dropping. And I don't even know that much about 
economics, but it is definitely a time where people are feeling very fearful and kind of, you know, ugly sides of people are coming out in like Costco and grocery stores. I saw a video of like two guys going at it at a, in a Costco in like Georgia or something. And, you know, so I just think it's bringing out a lot of fear in people for good reason. I mean, I've been there. How have you felt? Yeah, I think that anytime something like this happens, I mean, it, it takes me back to 9-11. Shortly after I was out of high school, I remember thinking, you know, wow, man, we're going to get called to go to war. And I'm, <laughs> instead of going on my mission for our church for two years, I'm going to go, you know, fight fight in a war. And and we honestly thought that. I remember thinking that. I'm like, we're going to get drafted. Um, and so I think that there's that fear and there's that speculation. And then there, there's that, you know, everything's there's the dramatization and everyone's got, you know, thoughts and ideas on what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, and I, and you see that happening now with, with what's going on and there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of changes and it's evolving constantly. It's being updated on the severity and what we're doing and how we're shifting and adjusting for it. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. It's been a roller coaster of emotions, but I have to be totally honest today we woke up to the news that Salt Lake City had just had an earthquake. I got up at 6 this morning, and just a few minutes after was when the Salt Lake earthquake happened, and it's the biggest earthquake in 30 years. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but I've been saying for about a week now to my family, I swear this is, you know, the disease that's covering the whole earth is I feel like it's a sign of Jesus Christ coming again. And then when that earthquake happened, I was like, see, I told you he's coming. <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy, but there's a little bit of me that feels like, okay, maybe there's a reason for all of this. Maybe it is just to shake the earth up so that people will be a little more humbled and come unto Christ or even just reevaluate their lives and think about the things that matter most. And we all have to go through those hard things in life to bring us back to the core of humility and to think about what's most important. And hopefully we can touch on some of those things today. But Neil brought up 9-11, and I thought this was interesting. My grandpa sent an email out this morning, and he loves to send out all kinds of things to our family. The funny thing is, too, he actually doesn't even use email. He has his secretary upload and scan things, and then he'll dictate responses back, and she types them up. But he doesn't even check his email. But he does email us these gems all the time. And this is a quotation that he sent to us from a talk from Neil Anderson. The title of this little paragraph is Prosperity Decreases Those Who Seek Divine Help. And it says, the world today more closely parallels past times of prosperity and intellectual enlightenment. And the message of repentance is often met with indifference or ridicule. Interestingly, the September 11th, 2001 terror attacks immediately sent a spike in church attendance. The spike, however, did not last. One author explained, people thought this type of national significance would lead to people being more religious, and it did, but it was very short-lived. There was a blip in church attendance, and then it went back to normal. So I think that this, I hope that this is a great time for people to just hopefully be a little more introspective and maybe even bring them to their knees a little bit and and feel like they need God because you know, Neil was saying a minute ago in our, in our last take that life is just really convenient right now. You know, it's so easy to like Amazon prime things to your doorstep or before all of this lockdown happened, you know, go run and pick something up that someone else has made for you. I mean, back 
not that long ago, people were making their own clothes and, you know, working by the sweat of their own brow. And now it's like, it's honestly cheaper to buy clothes at Walmart than it is to try to sew something yourself. It just is. And I think that sometimes the simplicity, just the bringing things back to the core and kind of forcing people to look at their own home life and their family and their relationships, it's not a bad thing necessarily. I know that people are dying. I know that coronavirus, we're taking it very seriously in our family. We're really taking social distancing seriously. But at the same time, there's good to be found in all situations, including this one. So what are your thoughts, Neil, on that? As a people in general, we've gotten really used to convenience and being able to just go out and get whatever we want and whatever we need whenever we want it, which is a good thing. And there's been a lot of just technological advancements that's just put everything at our fingertips and been everything's just so quick. So you throw in kind of a you know, world pandemic into that and you you shift things around and switch things up, suddenly that gets disrupted and it just creates chaos. But um, it just reminds me, it's really interesting, um, a talk that I read, this is Kim B. Clark, where he's talking about pride um, and how all of the convenience and all of this control that we kind of have now or seeming control with advancements, how that can kind of give us that sense of can lead to pride uh, a little bit. He says, um, this is the warning voice of the Lord to us now in our day. Beware of pride. Um, We have obtained so much control over the resources of the earth, so much understanding of the biology of life, so much capacity to travel and to communicate instantly that we have become puffed up in our learning and our apparent control and power. Pride and its children, materialism, envy, arrogance, greed, thirst for recognition, and lust for control and dominion have become rampant in our culture and society. So I think that a lot of times this is the type of situation that can kind of lead us to maybe take a step back. I know it has for me and look at, okay, maybe I don't have the control that I thought and maybe I, you know, need to take a look at what I do have control over and take a look at inside to see maybe there are things that I need to change or cultivate relationships or, um, you know, do things differently. And so it's a time really of, of introspection and, and it's an opportunity to take a look at yourself and see, you know, maybe, maybe there's some things that I want to do differently. lot of times it's a good opportunity for us in times like this to just think about okay what what if I do die from coronavirus or an earthquake or something else you know am I where I want to be in my life and I've definitely been in times and seasons where I know deep down there are things that I need to change I know there are things I need to clean up and I think that Satan loves to make us feel like we can procrastinate like I read somewhere recently someone said he's the father of procrastination. Like he loves to make us feel like, oh, do it tomorrow, do it next week, do it in three years or when you're older, when your kids are out of the house or when you're a grandma or who knows, whatever. But I have had things where I'm like, someday I'll take care of this, just not today. And all it does is it just perpetuates your misery of carrying things around that are a load, you know, something that you know that you need to work on. And that could be a bad habit or an addiction or 
a secret or um, a resentment or a bad relationship you need to mend. There's just so many things, but I'm hoping that this is a great time for people to not only clean out their closets. I know that there's a lot of like, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm at home now. I'll do these home projects or I'll clean out my closet or my drawers. And that's great. But also, are we looking internally and saying, what things can I clean up in my life or, you know, in my existing relationships or even from my past that will just set me free. Like when you hear people talk in 12-step programs that, you know, the 12-step meetings we go to about, they'll say, I was going to take this secret to the grave or this addiction to the grave. And then they finally do the work to clean it up. You'll, you'll hear the phrase over and over, happy, joyous, and free, because people just feel free when they finally overcome those things or take the time to work through things that have been weighing them down. So what are your thoughts now? Yeah, I think it is that a great time to do that and to look introspectively and, and clean house um, with yourself and spiritually and take a moment to really look at that and and see what can I do better in regards to myself and then to others. And a lot of times that will kind of lead me into, you know, once I get right with myself, then I can take that to others and be a strength for others and really look for opportunities to be a blessing to others in their life and and to serve others. Yeah. And it is, I think, a great way to get out of your own fear because the fear and anxiety is a real thing. It really is. And like I said before, I've been on a roller coaster of emotions, but when I've taken the time to step back and just say, hey, I need to check on my ministering families, which it's a really cool little like buddy system that we do in our church where everybody has two people that they're assigned to and then someone's assigned to you. And people are supposed to be checking up on each other. And it was a great pause for me to step away from the mentality of these are all the things I'm afraid of. These are all the things I'm stressed about. What if this happens? What if that happens? To just ask someone else, hey, do you have all the supplies you need? Are you doing okay? Is there anything I can pray for for you? Um, I even, you know, just checked up on our neighbors, a quick text like, hey, does everyone here have everything they need? You know, and I said, we're happy to run an errand for you and grab something if you need it. We even had a buddy yesterday say to us, hey, do you guys have everything you need? And I was like, we need paper towels. <laughs> and he said, great, I can. He has like a janitorial account. And he said, I'll, I'll put in my order that I do tomorrow for you guys some paper towels. It was super nice of him. But just that's such an easy, quick way to take yourself out of that fear and obsession and anxiety to just say, how are you doing? What can I do for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that can kind of get you outside of yourself. And that this is what helps me to do is get outside of myself and then connect. I think a lot of times it's a closed loop when it's isolating with yourself mm. and, and you really aren't taking that time to reach out. But it feels so much better to be connected with others and building those relationships like suddenly because at the end of the day, that's what's so important. And I mean, I think there is a little bit of an opportunity here in you know, being home or being homebound that it's like we can work on those relationships together with our family and and with others and work on strengthening those. Totally. And we've talked a lot about that and about how this is such a unique opportunity for us to all be in our homes with our children, with our families, and just have a cleared schedule. I mean, when's the last time everybody had that? There's no activities, there's no sports, there's no anything that anybody has to be at. And we all really need to be practicing social distancing so that this coronavirus doesn't just wipe out even more people. 
And so while we're doing that, you know, are we taking this as an opportunity to strengthen those relationships? I've shared with Neil that as I was reading this book recently called The Entitlement Trap, it talks about how there's kind of two really common times with children that people focus a lot of energy on trying to improve the relationship. And that's typically when your kids are toddlers and they get kind of hard and suddenly they're not just a little baby, but they're throwing a tantrum or you're trying to develop them. And so people will pick up parenting books and focus on that. And then as kids get a little bit more self-sufficient, a lot of times parents back off and they're like, oh, they're easy now. Like now they can entertain themselves. Now they have friends. Now they ride their bike around. And oftentimes people will back off in that period of time. And the Ayers were talking about that's the most moldable time when kids are so anxious to get their parents' approval. They're so anxious to learn things from you and to hear from you. And then oftentimes that's when people back off. And then when their teenagers get difficult, then they pick up parenting books. Then they try to hurry and spend more time and develop those relationships. And oftentimes it's a lot harder. You know, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's just harder once they get older And so if you have kids that are of any age, but especially in that kind of middle group, this is such a great time to teach them something, to develop even more of a relationship with them while we're all forced to spend time together as families and just take that opportunity. I mean, you just never know like when your last day is. And so taking these opportunities, like what a gift it is to be able to spend time as families with really no other distractions. Yeah, that's good. And it is such a great opportunity to do that. And, and that's the beautiful thing about technology is that, yeah, we're homebound, but also we can connect. We've got FaceTime. We've got all kinds of ways that we can still cultivate those relationships. And it's like, you know, yeah, we do have the time to do it. So You know, there are a lot of different things about this challenge that are leading me back to a a place of gratitude and making me appreciate what I do have. You know, obviously that there are some things that, uh, you know, I can't just go to a football game or a basketball game or whatever, or some big social event, you kind of recognize that, you know, and I'm grateful that we do have those or that opportunity kind of, you know, once you have that taken away, um, but also the opportunity to build those relationships too, I think is super important. So I think gratitude is is a big part of this. And that's what something that I come back to or have been coming back to that's been helping me quite a bit is just to be grateful, one, for what I do have, and then two, for an opportunity to maybe focus on things that um, that maybe I haven't been focusing on as much in the in the past little while. Yeah, we've tried to do that too with our kids at dinner, just sitting down with them the last several nights. I mean, we always try to talk about like kind of their highs and their lows, but lately I've said, what are you grateful for? And they love to talk about that and bring things up. And I think you really can control the atmosphere of your home. Are you talking about fearful things? Are you focusing on the doom and gloom? Or are you just like kids pick up on those things on the temperature of their parents And if you're focusing on what are we grateful for today and, oh, we got to, you know, do sidewalk talk outside or we got to whatever, then, you know, your kids really do pick up on those things. Um, Another thing I wanted to bring up is that I had this really beautiful experience. I talked about it on Instagram earlier this week, but on Saturday I was doing this video chat. Like you said, it's a great time to video chat and stay connected with your family. And I was video chatting with my parents in Spain 
And all of a sudden, my mom was like, what is going on? She walked out to the balcony and all these people were cheering and clapping. And my dad walked out and my mom said, do you know what's happening? And he was like, no idea. And he just started clapping and whistling because my dad just never, you know, passes up an opportunity to to be an optimist or, you know, be cheering for whatever it is that we're all cheering for. But I knew there weren't any sports. Um, everything was canceled. So they were very confused. Like, okay, they didn't win the World Cup. Like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. But literally the whole entire street was erupting in this applause and people were honking that were driving down the street. And this was just a few hours after Spain found out that they were going to go on total lockdown for 14 days. So, and it's a serious lockdown, more serious than the one that we're in. Like they are only allowed to go to the grocery store and come back. Otherwise they have to stay inside their apartments. They can't even walk the streets. So the next morning I Googled like what could, you know, why were people cheering in Spain? And I found this hashtag that was trending and the people of Spain decided that at 10 p.m. every night they would go out on their balconies and cheer for the people in the medical field and all the doctors and the nurses and any anyone in the medical professions who were kind of on these front lines of fighting coronavirus and helping people who are coming down with it and putting their own lives at risk to help others. And I just thought that was so beautiful that the people of Spain And apparently they've continued to do this every night. But so they go out on their balconies at 10 p.m. and they all clap and applaud the medical community for putting other people's lives before theirs. And I just thought that was so beautiful that at a time where Spain, who's been, you know, the second hardest hit country in Europe, instead of being focused on the doom and gloom, even just for a few minutes of the day, they all come together and unite together in in the streets and cheer and gratitude for those who are serving, you know, the people who are most in need right now. I've heard from a few people that people in Italy are doing the same, which is just so beautiful. Like we could, we could use a heavy dose of that here where we live in America, where I've seen a lot of people complaining and being angry at others for not taking social distancing um, serious enough and being angry that they're being forced to social distance and, you know, all kinds of things. And a lot of it is like the me, me, me attitude of, you know, how does this all affect me versus when you try to just look for gratitude and look for the beautiful things, like you, your whole entire perspective can shift. The whole entire experience can change. And that doesn't take away bad things or hard things. It just means that you're seeing it through a different lens. And I love this. There's a quotation that I love That's um, from a poet. It says, sorrow prepares you for joy. It violently sweeps everything out of your house so that new joy can find space to enter. It shakes the yellow leaves from the boughs of your heart so that fresh green leaves can grow in their place. It pulls up the rotten roots so that new roots hidden beneath have room to grow. Whatever sorrow shakes from your heart, far better things will take their place. And I mean, there, there are really sad things going on in the world right now. Like my heart aches for the people in Italy who have lost so many loved ones and they can't even have a funeral. You know, they can't even have closure. They can't get together and mourn. They can't do any of that because they literally so many people, thousands of people are losing their lives over this coronavirus. It's a really serious thing. So I don't want to downplay that. At the same time, I think that this is such an opportunity for us to look at our lives, look at our priorities, look at, you know, just the way that we choose to respond to all of this, you can have a different experience 
depending on the way that you choose to do this. And your kids are watching. And, and even if you have only adult kids, they're watching too. You know, a lot of what my parents are doing and their faith and optimism in this is completely rubbing off on me. Yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that. And I, and I like to look at that and I think it's a, it's a helpful for me to be, or in general, I think to, to have that optimistic outlook is seeing that, you know, there's, there's opportunities and there's blessings even in the midst of a challenge. And then I, I really love that quote too, that, you know, these challenges and a lot of these things that we're seeing can clear the way for more happiness or more joy in our lives. So again, bringing it back to what happened this morning when I woke up and I saw that Salt Lake had had this, you know, 5.7 whatever magnitude earthquake this morning. I know that probably, like, I know that was a real thing. It probably felt really scary. We went through an earthquake in a pretty similar size just a few months ago. So I get it that earthquakes are scary, but I have to be honest with you. I felt kind of like, oh my gosh, this is exciting as far as I feel like the second coming of a savior is right around the corner. And for the first time in several days, I didn't wake up full of like having to fight off fear. And, you know, in the 25th chapter of Matthew, we learn about the parable of the virgins, the 10 virgins. And there were five who were foolish and five who were wise. And why were the two so divided? You know, it's because five were prepared and they had oil in their lamps and they were ready when the bridegroom came. And then the five who were prepared went into the marriage feast and then the door was shut and the five who had delayed their preparations and procrastinated, it was too late for them. And, you know, I think this is super interesting in Matthew 25, 12, the Lord said, I know you not. So I just think like, do I know the savior? Like, do I, am I going to recognize him when he comes? Like, these are real thoughts for me. And I know that this might be there probably will be people who mock this or think that's silly, but these are literally my central thoughts lately are, am I prepared to meet the Savior? Will I know him? And, you know, there's a lot of, we've watched a lot of people just panic in the last few days or weeks even. I mean, the tone changed a lot here. Like what, a week ago? When was it that we went to Costco, Neil? Yeah, that was about, yeah, about a week ago on Thursday, suddenly like there was a major shift in kind of how people were responding. Well, and like describe the feeling there too. Um, yeah. I mean, I think where we live, people are just really cool, um, really laid back down to earth. You know, I think whenever we would typically go to out to Costco or Target anywhere. or anywhere, people are like <laughs> crying and cracking jokes and they'll talk to you and they're like, hey, yeah, you know, like happy, what do you think? Pretty go lucky. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was definitely like game faces on, like no one's talking to each other. Like, you know, there was like a comment or two here and there, but it was like everyone was focused on, okay, you know, what do I need to do? Let me get in and kind of get out as quickly as I can. Um, And so it it just definitely the, the climate was a lot different. Yeah, the vibe was very somber and very like, I'm looking out for myself and I'm, you know, I'm here to just grab all the supplies that I can. I keep seeing pictures after pictures after pictures of people going to stores and the shelves are just cleared out. And it's very like a, you know, I'm going to get some for myself kind of mentality. Uh, And we've seen really great things on social media too, people sharing and people looking out for each other. I don't want to dismiss that. 
But I think there's something to be said for being prepared. And that's like preparation is something that we've learned about for years in our church. Um, You know, that's something that people have even DM'd me recently and said, tell me more about how your church teaches you to have food storage. And um, that's something that we're known for. It's kind of like a quirky, funny thing. But members of our church are told to have long-term food storage. And that's something that we invested in you know, several years ago that we have like all this dry packed food just in case of any kind of emergency. And when we did that, there was no reason at the time. There was no panic. There was no pandemic. There was nothing other than just, you know, trying to be obedient and be prepared. But, um, you know, I think there's two different types of preparation. There's like obviously the physical preparation that so many people are scrambling to do right now, but then there's also spiritual preparation. And this goes back a little bit to that introspection that we talked about, like, have you, are you living your life so that if you, if it ended tomorrow, would you have regrets, you know, and are you prepared to meet God? I know that like, again, we don't want to go into the doom and gloom, but I just think it's a great time to look in introspectively and say, like, if you are one of those 10 virgins, which, which group are you in? Do you know the savior or would he have to look at you and say, like, I know you not. Um, and, and it also says right in that same chapter, you know, neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Like none of us knows exactly when the Savior will come again, but we we know that it's important to be prepared for that. And even if you're not a Christian, like it's just a good time to look at yourself and say, am I living the life that I know I need to be living or are there things that I need to do, you know, to feel like I've been the person that I wanted to be on this earth. And I just, I don't know, I want to end with like really a tone of faith over fear. And we did this cute little, very simple lesson with our kids on Sunday, but they loved it. And we just talked about the wise man and the foolish man. And we have this cute little song about how the wise man built his house upon the rock And then when the rains came and the floods came, his house on the rock stood still and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And, you know, wherever you're putting your focus and your belief in, and if you are the type of person that's praying and completely putting your trust in God, I promise you, he is going to sustain you through whatever hardship, you know, that you come across. But, you know, for people who, I just, I feel bad for people who feel fear and who feel like they have nothing to turn to because right now this is a time for, at least for me, the only thing I know is to turn to God and say, okay, I'm putting all of this in your hands and I'm completely trusting you that you've got this. And then I have to do my part to try to be a good person, to be kind to others, to be thoughtful toward others and to serve others and to live a good life and feel like at the end of the day, like my core of who I am is someone that I feel like I'm, you know, like I'm being a good person so that, you know, even if I did face death tomorrow, I wouldn't face it with regret. I don't yeah. know. What do you think, Neil? Yeah, I no, I totally agree. I, I think that it's so important to basically look at yourself and take it as an opportunity to do like an inventory. And that's something that we talk a lot about in recovery, but to clean house and, and look at the parts that maybe you want to change and may, and also the things that you want to celebrate. I think it's important too. 
um, and talks about that in step four is like list the, the, you know, the times that you acted right and, you know, be grateful. And I think that that helps to cultivate that gratitude. And then that helps to create a greater connection with God. Um, But I think one thing I was just thinking about as you were talking about the story with the 10 virgins is um, that basically that idea of oil. And, and for me, the way that I see it is developing that each day. And so it takes daily actions and daily spiritual actions to be prepared so that when something like, you know, a pandemic or an earthquake or a loss of some sort or anything, something like that happens, the time to prepare spiritually is kind of like you're out of time, like you're at this crisis moment. But if you've stored up prior to that by taking daily actions, daily spiritual actions to like pray. For me, it's pray, reading my scriptures, listening to good talks from inspiring people, connecting with others, serving others. If I'm doing these things consistently every day, then I'm kind of building that well of oil so that when, you know, spiritually something happens that spiritually I'm prepared. So for me right now, it's continuing to do that um, and then seeing how I can enhance that. And that kind of creates... Um, you know, faith, and that helps it me to not feel fear because I have faith. Okay, you're going to love this. In this talk by um, Don H. Oaks, he says, a 72-hour kit of temporal supplies may prove valuable for earthly challenges. That's what we're talking about with the Costco runs and the toilet paper hoarding. But as the foolish virgins learned to their sorrow, a 24-hour kit of spiritual preparation is of greater or more enduring value. And that's yeah. what you're talking about with like the one day at a time, the everyday thing, Yeah, you know? And I think too, that's another great principle that Neil reminded me of the other day. I was like, how, oh my gosh, our kids might be out of school till the fall. Like, how are we going to do this? And he just looked at me and said, one day at a time. That's yeah. Literally, I think in situations like this and other times of my life, um, I have to just say, look, I can do today. And that's all I really need to focus on. And and if that's too much, then I can do till lunchtime. I can cut it in half and so on and so forth. But it's just looking at it and and breaking it up into these manageable segments and just say, look, I, I can hang for today and I'll be all right. Yeah, I think too that as we've talked about preparation and what if this was our last chance, like even this, I'm going to be honest with you guys, even this podcast, like, first of all, this is, we've never had a challenge. It's never been this challenging to get one out. Yeah. Recording a podcast like this, we've taken like four or five takes. There've just been all these weird little like technical difficulties and struggles. Um, But to me, that's even more of a sign that it was really important. And I just, I woke up feeling like this is the message you need to talk about, about the second coming in. And it's not popular. It's probably not going to make me (laughs) any kind of like a popular podcaster or blogger or whatever, but I just can't shake the fact that that's the thing that's most compelling to me right now. And so I'm going to read this part of President Oak's quote, um, Dallin H. Oaks, when he said, what if the day of his coming were tomorrow? If we knew that we would meet the Lord tomorrow through our premature death or through his unexpected coming, what would we do today? What confessions would we make? What practices would we discontinue? What accounts would we settle? What forgiveness would we extend? What testimonies would we bear? If we would do these things then, why not now? Why not seek peace while peace can be obtained? If our lamps of preparation are drawn down, let us start to immediately replenish them. And so I guess that's my, if there's one message, that's my final message is like, what 
if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, how would you live your life today? And this coronavirus thing is real. It's definitely taking a lot of lives. So if that's something, and truly too, we're all so vulnerable to that right now. I mean, it's like you can catch it very easily. People are dying from it. I don't think we need to live in fear of it, but just maybe say, if we knew tomorrow was our last day, how would you live today? What would your relationships look like? What would your, what things would you want to clean up before you leave this earth? And, and I think that, you know, taking the opportunity to really be introspective is so important. And then just look at every single day that we have on this earth is a gift. I will never forget. Do you remember that guy that was the like elevator man? I forget what you call it. Oh, a D up at the, one of the agencies. Well, that we he's awesome with. too. But no, I'm literally thinking of the guy in New York. I don't know if you'll remember this, but it was a few years ago we went to fashion week and it was like snowing and freezing and all the NBA players were there for um, all-star week. And then we were there for fashion week and there was like an elevator guy and he was just, he was in the best mood. And I think you asked him like, Hey dude, like, you know, like what's your cause of cheer or something? Like, why are you in such a good mood? And he was like, cause man, every day is a gift. And he was like, I, I get one I more day. That. Yeah. And I Pretty just cool. remember thinking, Oh my gosh, what an inspiring attitude. You know, this guy doesn't have like some really prominent or flashy career. He's like a pretty humble elevator. I, I don't know the right term for it, but, you know, he's the dude that helps people usher onto the elevator and pushes the buttons. It doesn't get too much more simple than that. And he's he was, you know, helping, like I said, these NBA players and people that were in town for Fashion Week. And he had such a positive attitude of every day is a gift. And I just... Like I think about him still randomly sometimes about that guy and his awesome attitude. And that's what I would hope that I leave everyone with today is to not be caught up in the fear, but to be grateful for the gift that we have of one more day and of a time where things are just more simple right now. And what can you do that will make your life more of the life that you would be proud to leave behind? Yeah, I, I don't have honestly anything to add to that. I think that's perfect. Uh, it's just awesome. Well, thanks, you guys. I hope that you are staying healthy and well right now and, um, you know, praying for those who are in need and praying to know how you can help others. And we'll be doing that, too. So um, we'll catch you next week. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.